Good afternoon, you're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and you're listening to Local Media This Week where we come together here on a Sunday afternoon to have a look at the Clare newspapers, the print media and maybe give our take on one or two items that we find in them. Delighted to be joined again by our usual panel and that's John S. Kelly. John, good afternoon. Afternoon, Jim. Pat O'Brien. Pat, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jim. And David Fleming. David, your afternoon as well. Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, Anyway, we'll have a look and we'll see. We have the Clare Echo and we have the Clare Champion really to hand. And it's mostly out of those two newspapers that we'll be getting our stuff today. Uh, and it's great as well to be back, John, on FM. Isn't it? Our first day and back on FM. We started yesterday, yeah. and but our first programme. And, and, you know, congratulations again to yourself because you put in Trojan work now to reach this stage. Well, so, there's, there's a large group involved, John, as yes, you know, in, yeah, in but, the station. But, yeah, but uh, I know who did all uh, most of the <laughs> writing and, and the phone calling and all of that. Well, it's so great, it's great it's to be great, back. It's great, absolutely. It's great yeah. to be back. Um, I, I looked at the front page of the champion here and I was thinking of David Fleming because there's a picture of the puka there, <laughs> David, and I know how taken you are uh, with, the, with the puka. In, uh, You're not comparing my looks with the puka's looks, are <laughs> oh, you? Oh, no, oh, no. Not, not at all. <laughs> or, or, not at all. Or, or the type of emotions that people might have on seeing me <laughs> and seeing the puka at the same time. But it, 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 the puka has reared its head again. Why uh, do you think? Well... Partly because I suspect a sympath a, a simp uh, a, a sympathizer over in Ennis Diamond has decided to provoke people by uh, by prepare, by putting a mural of the puka on his on the side of a building mm-hmm. in a car park in Ennis Diamond and the picture is there in the front page. Um, it's a local artist, Johnny O'Gorman. So the artists are kind of clubbing together for each other here, yeah. and so he's. He's painted um, uh, uh, in black, I suppose, the puka, the half man, half horse. But now, maybe people joining us for the for the first time or people not familiar with what ha- what had happened a few weeks back might need to be reminded. Uh, a few months back, Clare County Council had commissioned an artist uh, to to um, a sculptor to sculpt. Uh, a piece of art for Ennis Diamond. It was destined for Ennis Diamond to try and keep people in the town, don't you know? And the artist, uh, whose name I can't actually see now, can we see who was the original artist? Not Johnny O'Gorman, who's painted the, the, this particular image, but the actual artist itself. We'll, we'll find that in a second, I hope. Uh, uh, the, he's after... Uh, yeah, he, he did a model and presented it, but the people of Ennis Diamond, in their wisdom, hated it. Not everybody, but a, a vociferous number of I, individuals. I'm still wondering, what is it that uh, drew that kind of response from so many people? The negative response. Yeah, they, they didn't feel it fully represented what Ennis Diamond was all about. I think uh, d- that does would Ennis be, uh, Diamond know what it's all about? <laughs> well, the people there feel <laughs> they think they know what it's all about. Well, they know what it's not about. <laughs> they know it's not about a puka. Uh, this half or now it's a, it's a scary. Even the even the mural it, it represents this myth. Irish, it's Irish mythological. Um, 
But uh, yeah, Johnny O'Gorman, anyway, the artist at the centre, the latest controversy about the painting of a puka, half man, half horse, on a new, on a new mural in Ennis Lyman, believes public consultation isn't necessary. Um, and the council have paused the erection of this particular sculpture pending uh, public consultation. Um, uh, even though, according to the article by Dan Danaher, even though this statue also attracted significant support, a lot of opponents expressed concern about the lack of public consultation around this particular project, the mural itself. Now, uh, Johnny O'Gorman has very quickly pointed out that it's his wall. Mm-hmm. And he can put whatever he likes on his can wall. Can he actually? Well, there is an interesting question. There is a very interesting question whether he might need planning permission because you might remember, John, uh, more seriously, up in Dublin during the referendum um, on on abortion. Uh, I think it was abortion, or I think it was uh, a mural was put up there on a side building up, up in Dublin, which caused equal controversy, and I think they had to take it down because planning permission was not obtained. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the council <laughs> will work the, this one. D- David, somebody uh, is bound to say. By the way, who is mural? <laughs> 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 well, she's she's here represented as a puka now, anyway. But I wonder is, I mean, the the whole thing of the puka, yes, uh, and the idea of putting up the puka is is it not a bit of fun? And and you know, I love to see the puka here in East Clare. Uh, and if if the council are wanting to, from my point of view, I to put the puka up. I mean, you have in Tungreni, you have Brian Brew. You okay, do. not you a do. puka, <laughs> but uh, you have um, in Scarif, you have out the Mount Shannon Road, you have a lovely sculpture of a fisherman with yeah. catching a fish. You've uh, both on private property, on it has to be said, yes. and commissioned privately. In, in Mount Shannon, you have um, you have a stag, a fine stag, yeah, just fine the other side of the village. Yeah. So why not a puka somewhere in East Clare? It's it's a bit of a laugh. Well, to me, Jim, if, if, if someone wants to come along and, and pay for the puka themselves, put it up, put it, uh, it, I think this puka is costing 30000 And there's, there's huge problems in, in both in the hinge and in a statement in solar systems. Hmm. You're, you're Listen. Go, I was in Blake's Corner the other day. I was in the, Were you? I was held up for the second hour of it. I know. <laughs> 30. Is that, is that an exaggeration, though? No. So, yeah. you, you know... Um, but is the puka not there already? You need yeah. to put it up, eh? It's, it's 30000 it's, it's still 30, Yeah, but it's, it still has cost 30000 but sure, if it, the, that thirty thousand presumably is spent at this stage, it yeah. spent, yeah. but that thirty thousand might attract people to spend their money in an assignment. It's a complete waste of time because you have all those things around the country, and and, and people just pass them out. No, there, John. There is no. I wouldn't sig- go to the, in sig- to there, the there is no significant sculpture in O'Callaghan's Mills. I don't <laughs> think as yet. No, that's a good question. Now, yeah. J- John, I would go to O'Callaghan's Mills. I've n- I don't think I've ever been to O'Callaghan's Mills to see the puka. Unlike Pat, who won't go to Ennis Diamond to see their puka. But I would, and some people do, would go would go around in the same way as that they would go around to see a historic building. Some people interested in art would see, would like to see. And this one in particular, because it's so controversial now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the best thing that this that people ever did was actually stop it. And wherever it'll go, it'll attract a lot of attention. Yeah. And Probably if, not in a stime. If the 30,000 is already spent, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's not going to cost anything. You might as well put it up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, okay, we'll move on from the puka. But, it, you know, the offer is there. Bring it to East Clare. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I see. 
that in the front page of the Clare Champion as well. Uh, calls for investigation after five-hour wait for ambulance. That's a long time. Yeah, uh, Dan Denner has a, uh, uh, an article on the front of the Clare Champion. Um, call for investigation after five-hour wait for ambulance. The call has been made for an, an official investigation into the five-hour delay for the arrival of an ambulance in Tulla on Tuesday. Despite three phone calls from a, a local general practitioner, Senator Dimitoli made a call for an inquiry into the circumstances that led to the shocking time for medical intervention. The Benefar Senator has contacted the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, to seek an urgent review of this case and the entire provision of ambulance services in the Midwest. I'm absolutely shocked to hear somebody would be left in a doctor's surgery waiting for an ambulance for more than five hours. It beggars belief. When a doctor believes uh, an ambulance is required to take someone into hospital, there is a serious issue which needs to be needs a response in 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 a time frame less than five hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, it's, just, uh, it's a serious thing, really. Well, and, uh, do, do we do we know uh, how uh, ambulances are deployed? We have we have a few of them in Scarf, for example. And if if God forbid, if if I needed an ambulance, would I be guaranteed that the boys below would pop up in five minutes? I doubt it. No, you wouldn't be guaranteed. Um, I don't think they would give you a guarantee on that. Actually, they probably have some sort of a statement which says, it is our intention that we can get to um, an ill person within a given space of time. That's probably their... You know their goals that and and they're measured probably on these things just the same way as the tra- trains are measured when they leave. Yeah. But if 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 the scarif ambulances, two or three, whatever number of them are there, and they're called out and they can have a very big district, uh, they can be in West Clare and some of them another one might be sent off somewhere else I- into Limerick maybe. Mm-hmm. There's no other ambulance then in Scarif or no other drivers to drive. So you you might be then waiting for a, another district's ambulance to come to come and, and that five minutes might turn into an hour and that can mm. that other ambulance can cross county boundaries yeah. and yeah okay yeah. Yeah. yeah five hours seems a very long it seems time, long doesn't know? it but i mm. suppose if if there were several calls on ambulances yeah. all at the same time yeah you know perhaps but mm. but five hours is a long time but it one is. wonders if we had a crisis situation a serious accident a number of people requiring ambulances at the same time. And what, what would happen in the normal course of events? Somebody then up the road maybe has a heart attack. What, do, what, what happens? Mm. I think in, in, in reality what actually happens is when people hear, oh, the ambulance won't be with you for an hour, they get into their own cars, not themselves, their friends or their family, and drive, drive on at, at drive significant on. speed to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that was the situation here, but the doctor felt that um, you know the patient needed a, needed a, an ambulance. Yeah, but the and main thing we be sending, saying, uh, in fairness, we're not uh, saying any blame should attach to the actual am- ambulance personnel. It seems to be a problem in the logistical in side. The logistical yeah. side, yeah, yeah. yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we should have Jim. We really must invite ambulance personnel on to tell us all about the actual organization the operation of it yeah that would be a good idea john and i mean uh, i see senator timmy dooley here has made a call for an inquiry and in Tulla they would be very anxious that that this wouldn't happen again and yeah. they're right to to bring to draw attention to it yes because you know a lot can happen i mean they talk about minutes when you're talking about you know someone who might need a defibrillator or yeah. whatever 
But mm. uh, five hours is is a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. But, uh, okay, so we we move on to that. Uh, John, we had a local man made good last weekend with Father Jernash being elevated uh, to Bishop of Ferns. Yeah. Now, Jarrah's well known to him. We're, we're congratulating him, of course, on the, uh, his consecration last weekend. Isn't that right? Yes. And uh, it's, you know, a challenge way beyond what is, I think, commonly understood. The challenge facing a bishop now. Because you're in a, a a period when, in fact, for the period of the COVID, we mass attendances and other uh, activities at parish level would have gone into the the, the the behind basket, wouldn't they? And here we have a man who has the challenge now to actually reinvigorate, or uh, and and they're talking at episcopal level of having a synod and a synod approach. I mean, there is a revitalization required somewhere along the line. Mm, yeah. what, the, what is a synod, John? A, a synod is a collection, historically, it's a collection of bishops and abbots, normally. Lay people were not, you know, essentially involved at all. And it was usually, it usually would have taken place after a period of, if you like, decline in... Uh, in religious practice. The, the one that comes to mind for me would have been the Synod of Thurlis in 1851, which took up the challenge of the famine. And it um, laid down, I think we mentioned this before, it laid down, if you like, uh, the canons under which the church should engage for the rest of the century. Mm. And the outstanding characteristic which, uh, which uh, you know, uh, emerged was the mission. Mm. And that was the, the platform for re... What's the word? Re-energizing. Re-energizing, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the dominant thinking theologically in Europe, uh, especially in France, was, was a, a puritanical type of, of uh, mm. you know, ism. And, uh, and yeah, so it, pro it probably did more damage than good, um, that actual synod, when you think about how the church developed. I think historians would probably re reflect on it that way. Yeah. Are, you, are you saying, John, that the, these new synods will involve lay people? Yes, absolutely. Mm. So they're going nowhere unless they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, w w Is it too late? Is it too late? I'm an optimist. Yeah. You know, uh, myself. Okay. So you don't think it's too late? No, I don't. But it will require approaches that have not been considered, uh, you know, yeah. deeply up to now. I think mm. I've said it before that uh, I, I I probably think it is too late. I, uh, the, the fact that the failure of Vatican II mm. in the 1960s, which was that uh, re-evangelizing, re-energizing yes. moment, mm. uh, has gone. And it, it, it could have it could have worked um, had the church loosened its had the hierarchy uh, and the men in charge loosened its grip allowed more women in for example yeah. um, allowed the non-clerical groups in.
But I think it's too late. And and the particular situation in Ireland, uh, he's going into the fern, diocese of ferns. The immediate thing that comes to my mind when I see ferns is the ferns report. Of course. Of so course. he's got a diocese it's himself, which mm. is probably, that is very active in people's minds mm. over there. So I don't know. Um, it's the, the, the things about Catholic churches, it takes centuries for to see change at all. Hmm. We, we, we just like um, on my own behalf and everyone, I suppose, we all uh, congratulate your, um, Nash on his elevation to Bishop of Films. Hmm. Uh, and the other thing, John, I suppose, a lot of young people don't go to church anymore. A lot of old people don't go either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the older people, uh, go, well, most of the older people go, a lot of older people go, but not a lot of young people don't go. Yeah, except maybe at Christmas they might go at Christmas or they might Christmas, go, go yeah. for a family communion a family wedding or a sacrament yeah. or something yeah. like that but yeah. uh, I think it's not over no matter where you go it's the same it's the same thing yeah, you know? yeah I, th- I think the church has to look out from the building of the church and, and to move out uh, you know if if the church waits for people to come back and to fill up the church again it yeah, won't happen, it won't happen yeah. I think you're right Jim you yeah know? I think yeah. you're right I mean I think the church has to um, broaden its its, its, its uh, base and its base broaden its, its message yes. message yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah to, but and, to, it, and to get out where the community is yeah mm-hmm. but Jim Jim you, you, you use the word message okay uh, vision uh, what is the message which any priest would like to identify with now because that's at the core mm. the issues that concern people today whether that is housing and now just talking about this country housing yes, we talk about this country climate uh, the Pope has made a very clever intervention by going to Edinburgh for the climate. Um, yeah. The Pope is a very strategic thinker. Popes have to be, I suppose. Um, but the clergy and the local clergy need to need to follow that lead. If they are to engage, it's all about engagement. The same way as me in a classroom. I could stand up there and start talking about something that I might like um, to talk about my own particular research, but I mightn't be engaging my mm. students in that. Mm. I have to find out how I would engage them with the message that I might want to get across or the type of teaching that I, I might get across. No, I mean, the message is the message of Christ, let's say, as uh, illustrated in the Bible, perhaps. As but, the, but, the, but, the, yeah. but the challenge for the church and for those people working within the church is to make that relevant to people right, mm. you know, all over the country, in the community. Yeah. And that has not been happening because, yeah. as, as Pat says, you know, and David says so many young people and some not so young mm. no longer attend church, uh, except maybe on the occasional. The tide is probably still there somewhere, mm. but it's it's the relevance of the message that needs that people need to be made aware of and, mm. and drawn engaged with. Yeah, so uh, there is the challenge. Isn't it? Mm. it? Yes, and for all the bishops, including himself, um, I I wonder how they are educated. People like Father Nash now, Bishop Nash, how they are educated in Maynooth or whatever seminary they've gone. Like, is the teaching, is the formation, the training and the education of priests uh, fit for purpose? What do uh, they learn about? Well, (laughs) it would be a good idea if in pursuing this particular theme, topic and it's so serious now it would be interesting to have 
some representatives mm. from uh, the institution, particularly Minut, okay, and we can do that, mm. okay, mm. and it would be interesting to invite um, a young bishop or not so young bishop to join us for uh, for a discussion and a conversation about indeed, this. Indeed, yeah, okay? indeed, yeah. But there's one word that's running through my mind, uh, and that is humility. Mm. Mm. Okay? Who has the truth? And anybody who stands up and says, I am the holder of the truth, you know, he has lost me straight away. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you get yeah. what I'm... Oh, I do hmm. indeed. Our modern world doesn't, you know... Well, I suppose the, the, there was a lot of... Of, of you know, there was a lot of abuse things and all that kind of stuff back along the years, and it didn't, it, it, it certainly didn't help the church. No, not at all. No. Mm. Yeah. And who is, by the way, we use the word church, and, and, and one can't leave it without asking the question who or what is the church? Yes. Well, I suppose the church is everybody, John. Mm. Everybody that's uh, Catholic or whoever is, is involved in well, the church. Well, you asked. Were you uh, ever asked <laughs> to participate in a discourse <laughs> on this church of which you were a part? No, I'm, ju- no, I'm no, just no. thinking, John, that when you now say, if, oh, if somebody yeah. says, you have, I have the truth, yeah. they've lost you straight away. Yeah. If the poor devil who has the truth <laughs> says it, <laughs> you're going to turn your back on him. And and you're didn't Jesus to say <laughs> he is the truth, so, the light, and the whatever yeah, yeah. it is, the life? Yeah. Didn't he say that? Okay, but this, the, this <laughs> will <laughs> result in another program, it I have will. no doubt. It will. Uh, no, let's have, and that I'm looking here at Bishop, uh, the new Bishop Nash with his family and friends, including Shane O'Donnell, yeah. uh, on page two of the Echo, a lovely uh, family group there in the probably the front seat of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shannon, can we go back to Shannon? Did you get any response from your... We, we, we are keeping a track on this on your behalf. No. This program in particular. Now, listeners joining us on FM <laughs> may, who may not have been with us, I, we hope, obviously, that they were with us on the internet and on the podcast, but uh, Jim Collins wrote... Uh, Jim Collins contacted the media department of Shannon Airport a number of weeks. Two, two, is it three weeks now, Jim? Just two weeks ago. Two weeks Two and, ago, and a half weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A- a- asking for a representative to come on to um, the radio to be interviewed and received no response. So we, we check in every week with Jim to see if he has received any response. Yes. Well, anyway, no response to date, <laughs> David. So uh, hopefully next week. But the department, looking at page 16 in the Clare Echo, the Department of Transport has urged the uh, the government to expedite, or sorry, the, the Department of Transport is urged to expedite the appointment of a Shannon Group chair. Uh, imminent, we oh. heard weeks and weeks ago. Imminent. We, what we, is the, by, would, you, would you pass imminent for me? Im- imminent. Almost now. In the next day or in two. In the next. It's about to happen. Yes. We're so excited it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, imminent means it's, it's almost there, but it's not quite there yet. And do you think that's a problem, by and the way? And expedite is another interesting <laughs> word which needs to be <laughs> defined. It means hurry up and do it. Um, is it, is it imminent? I don't, but we, we now can't believe. I mean, they've been crying wolf on this one. For a long time, Deputy Crow believes he he has he has he he, he can encourage the powers that be to appoint. Um, uh, it's been twelve months since there was a chair of of um, the Shannon Group, 
uh, Rose Hines, it says here we don't have um, we don't have um, a reporter on this, but Crow High Time Shannon Group Chair was appointed. When Rose Hines's tenure as chair of the board of Shannon Group expired last year, there was no reason to believe she would not be replaced more than twelve months. Oh yeah, Owen Ryan has the story. However, there is still no successor appointed while the airport has been going through one of the most challenging periods in its history with the complete collapse of of traffic. And the clue there is would anybody want to take it on at this most challenging time? I think that may be a factor. Speaking this week after discussing the situation with Minister of State of the Department of Transport, Claire TD Cottle Crow said it is time a new appointment was made. Well, that's quite obvious, isn't it? Mm. Could Could I I, I'm just holding it. Uh, David, did you raise the question there of who would want to take on this job? I did, I did. Is that a serious, a serious question? It is. Like, I mean, sh we know the Shannon Group is in trouble. Yeah. We know the airport is in trouble. Uh, it will take... I, I don't think one person, i.e. one chair, can turn it around. And But that's the way it's being, it's being portrayed flogged. and flogged. Mm -hmm. That if we get the chair, everything will be all right, things will start improving. Now, that may be the case, but I don't, a bit like the Irish football team, a, a, a single coach or a single manager can't turn around that without, being, without having the players as well. Yeah. No, but it's, is it not a challenge for somebody, you know, who, some up-and-coming individual who wants to make their mark um, and to take on Shannon? Or, or to go, if it goes down, go down with them. And well, I, 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 I don't know. I don't think it's going to go down. I don't think it's either. You, you, it is going down. If we look, no, if we look at the... If we look at the, uh, of the uh, no, I know it's down to the very low, but there's 130% of an increase in it. Since since the aviation was opened, yeah, but that's from a very low, low base. Post. I, I, admittedly, admittedly, yeah, but still, yeah. it, it's there. And, and if and, you and didn't, if, if you didn't have, the, and it's only Ryanair that are there. Yeah, yeah, but if you, why are we, why are they throwing in twelve million into the into this? Um, into the, I'll uh, tell you why the they're. Yeah, well, we should it, we should tell the listeners what that is about. Close it down. Yeah, they're they're putting twelve million in because the government had to give them money because all the all the TDs and all the councillors are badgering the government to get give money to Shannon. And so they've given them, given them 12 million for, for a baggage handling system. system yeah, yeah, no, and there's no planes coming in to handle the baggages. <laughs> uh, well, there is planes coming in, David. I don't think there's, there's, there's about 19 or 20 um, services out of Shannon at the present time. They're all Ryanair, practically mm. all Ryanair. But I suppose if you, if you intend or if you plan to, to have Shannon thriving, you have got to put the infrastructure in first. There's no point in bringing in a whole load of planes where there is no infrastructure for baggage and say, well, we'll you know, come in first and we'll do it then. Uh, Jim has, uh, Jim has a, a, an important point there, David. Yeah, How he do does. you deal with that? How do you he deal does. with that? Um, I, I would perhaps be... Yeah, we've ha there is a... There, all this, um, the, the baggage handling, is probably for big international flights. It's security. Mm -hmm. Um, and the the handling system that will be there seemingly will be sped up. I've had, I've never had a delay in getting my bags out of Shannon because there's so few bags going through it. Mm -hmm. They can handle it very, very quickly. Yes, okay, um, build it and they will come. Uh, could be a strategy. Uh, remains to be seen. I, I think they should be spending their money on trying to encourage those big international player uh, airlines back in somehow. But wouldn't that mm. be part? Wouldn't this very development? be a part yeah. of that type of infrastructure that might entice but who airlines is, are they enticing in. are they enticing but i remember back are in, they the, in the in the noughties when there was you know 40 plus 
destinations out of Shannon, and yeah. the place was buzzing. Yeah, it was still very easy to get in and out of the airport. Yeah, there was no, you know, there were no delays. Yes. Yes. The, yeah. the whole nature of Shannon is is it's so convenient oh, for people. My colleague, and my new colleague from London, who's moving over, new professor of history, I couldn't believe how quick he got through Shannon. Mm. I didn't want to tell him the real reasons, but um, <laughs> but that, that's not the real reason because the, the well, Shannon, the, the, even when Shannon was yeah. very busy, yeah. you could still fly through it. Like, yeah. you know, you could, you know, you could really. There's yeah. a kind of okay. a cork, there's a cork bias emerging. <laughs> I think in there that is. School. You'll be waiting in cork for <laughs> your bags. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're going to pay for that flight that we're after temporarily getting from cork. Yeah. Well, um, you you have it here as well on on, on the top. The Jim Nocton we 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 Shannon support. Yes. Minister Confidential Lingus wants to resume transatlantic flights. Minister for State, uh, the Department of Transport, Hilda Gardner, reiterates the government's support for Shannon on, hmm. on a visit on this Monday. The Minister of Office from Shannon Group, which since the pandemic began, has been very clear that it will require state aid going forward. Ms. Nocton, who held talks with Group CEO Mary Consular and told the champion that the government is prepared to help. We have given a commitment to support not just Shannon Airport but our aviation sector in Ireland to make more sh- to make sure that it has not just international connectivity but regional connectivity. So mm. it's just they're all coming anyway. And the, <laughs> this is the second minister now in a row to visit Shannon. Who's Patrick. coming next week? I, That's I, a very good question. I see Parik McMahon has, has a piece as well in, <coughs> on page 15 of the Echo, That's right. where it says, Government committed to supporting Shannon, says junior minister. So, I but mean, what does that mean, Jim? It probably means nothing uh, on the face of it. They, no minister is, will come and say, I'm not yeah. going to support Shannon. Yeah, government. Uh, there's mm. never going to be a, a headline from Porik saying, government not committed no. to supporting <laughs> But, <laughs> I mean, if they do come and, and give their support, like, I mean, then they have to be, a follow-up has to take place. What support are you going to give? Yeah. Uh, when are you going to support it? How are you going to support yeah. it? But, uh, and that is probably the role of the chair of the Shannon Group, because mm. you need... Uh, that is the person who can knock on the minister's door, and none of the rest of us. Yeah. That's what the importance of a chair. We, okay. had, we, we had the meeting, and uh, we had the programme there, the Central Chronicle of Implication, and Peter Ryan, the chairman of Clare County Council, was in uh, with us. And uh, he said that if 10% of the, of the traffic going through Dublin was, was diverted to Shannon, uh, Shannon would be booming. Yeah. yeah, but the only problem with that is commercial principles. Yeah. Will dictate what comes yeah, to Shannon. Yeah, but John, look at uh, the Dublin Airport. Uh, Dublin Airport done away with the, the, the flights coming into Shannon. They they, they want a direct uh, flight into Shannon. They don't have, they don't have anything. We so we 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 have had it all in yeah. programs. Mm-hmm. They've done it all to take okay. it, everything. Pat, when you, when, the when we had the Shannon Group then to get them back, they couldn't get them back. Well, they're independent now. Getting the deck is a different, a, a, different story. And I would say that maybe those 10% of flights don't mm. want ever to come to this side of the country anyway. Dublin mm. is there, is the, where they want to oh. go, probably. Before, no, I, I would totally disagree with that. But <laughs> <laughs> we will, we'll move on because we, we've probably spent enough time. We'll come back to it again next week. Before the oh, break, no. we always do. <laughs> before the break, I see a piece in the Independent during the week, a letter of the week. And it says, hurling at risk of being thrown away unless swift action is taken. And maybe we'll discuss this very quickly. Uh, Pat, do you want to 
Explain to us how you can pass a ball in hurling. <laughs> well, I say um, this man, he's not easy to play with. I live in, live in, 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 in Cork. And um, he, he's, well, he's of the opinion, it's, it's, a, it's a nice letter. Uh, he's of the opinion that um, hurling is, thrown in, is, is turned into throwing the ball. I think, uh, you know, well, maybe do you I agree with him? Maybe, do you agree maybe, with him? Maybe my sight isn't uh, that good now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think most players, especially in the county level, most players are throwing the ball. Do you think so, really? Yeah. Instead of the hand, pa- hand Instead passing. Instead of the proper hand pass, yeah. 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 With the hand pass, you're supposed to toss up the ball. And, and throw up the ball and pan it. And pan well, it. Yeah. It needs to leave. It ne- it it you don't have to toss away up. It, no. it just needs to leave your yeah. pan. Yes. Yeah. But, okay. but I suppose it's yeah. the speed at which it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I don't think any referee can judge. Did this leave the palm or not? Yeah. Did did this rise a few millimeters off? Yeah. The right. Palm? Okay. So what what are you suggesting? Move well, it to the point where there is a suggestion. But this, this. this letter, Pat, I think suggests that it's it's uh, it's done away with. That it's banned. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, he 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 he's uh, he's of the opinion that it should be banned, really. What is so He says, uh, uh, "I'll just go down here to the bottom." Uh, my own view is that if 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 it is not eradicated from the game, yeah. the next generation of hurlers will think it's okay to throw the ball in hurling, and this cannot be good for the game as it, it will become nothing more than a throwing fest, the sort of spectacle that makes football fans tear out their hair. And Dennis Dunahoo Dennis killed Darley County Cork. Oh, yes. yes. Not far from my hometown. Yeah. Uh, uh, just very quickly, as we're on the matter of hurling, page 21 of the, um, of the living section also shows an innovative use of, 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 of not necessarily the hand, but the foot. The player is uh, Scarif's Mark Rogers. He lost his hurley uh, in the game against Clare Castle there recently. Uh, but he decided to go on, picked up the, picked up the ball with his foot. Not only that... But scored a pint. Yes. Um, so maybe they want to get rid of the hurling as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay. Time for a bit of music, uh, Pat. What have you got for us today? Well, we have um, uh, Gloria Gaynor. She was 78 on, t- on Tuesday last, so I-, I will survive. Okay. Fabulous song from the late 70s. Gloria Gaynor, yeah. I will survive. Glory again out there and a fabulous song from the 1970s, I Will Survive. John, you have a headline there. About, I hadn't, you hadn't struck me as a farmer, John. I don't know if you've ever been. You probably have been involved in farming. I have a farm up in Rathcroft. Okay, and I'm sure you have fine heifers in it. Uh, no, no, no. The fancy, John. No. The heading, it, this, the heading of this article is a classic illustration of how to draw the observer to follow it. The heading is Some Fancy Heifers Reach New Highs at Scarif Mart. Now, I thought this was a, fa- a 
fairly sound agricultural article, but Pat here beside me doesn't <laughs> see it like that at all. He's reading other, you know, hidden messages in it. And so is David. No, and I'm no, not all sure. I said was, um, am, I, am I okay? Can you hear me? Um, Loud and clear. Yeah, all I said was that if there's only some fancy heifers, there must be some other heifers that weren't at all fancy. Yeah, yeah. well, hmm. now, how, what would be a fancy? That's a very good a question. A fancy heifer, Pat. You're the man with the, with the farming background. Well, just why since I went, I was farm and John, but I suppose with a nice shape and, and, and nice, a nice shape. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. A, at the back. And at the back, and uh, I suppose all the continental heifers now, the 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 all and and bullocks and heifers have all the wide uh, rump for them and hind quarters, and they're well made. And that's the and quality factor. Quality isn't factor, it? And, well the, made. and the size of them and the the make of them as well. Yeah, yeah. And the weight. And, and the breeding, the breeding is very good now. I think in most in 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 all the in all the beef breeds, you know. But what kind of money money was reached? Well, uh, um, Pat, just here, um, uh, uh, the best Shirley heifer was uh, Gerald Mugovan from Derry Con, Mount Shannon. Yeah, and. Um, how much did it, it fetch? It was 260 kgs and it made 1,710. Now, lads, a heifer at 1,700. Mm. Europe, Jim, at Scarf Mart. Yes. I tell you, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. It sounds brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever have it all? Do you ever rare animals? I didn't, never did anything in my on my own in terms of farming, yeah. no. Mm. Helped my father when I was young. Anyway, it's a lovely it. heading. Yeah, tis a great heading, isn't yeah. it, David? Tis, yeah. tis. Needless, needless, uh, from Scar uh, from Mino as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, he had a three hundred and fifty kg uh, one as well, and uh, he made a thousand and sixty. And you're the best limousine heifer then Morris Murphy from Ashland and Toller, 350 kgs, and it made 1,190. My God, there's money in farming, lads. There so is indeed. Morris then had another one, uh, 345, and it made 990. And the best Belgian blue heifer then is Paul Newton from Fetal, and uh, 345 kgs, and it made 1,380. <laughs> what age would an animal like that be? That Average, like they'd be, they'd, they'd only be maybe six months. They'd be so close <coughs> from the from the spring. They'd only be six to eight months. A heifer really? is a yeah. heifer is a young, mm. yeah, female yeah. cow. Yeah. yeah, isn't that right? It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, not be, an older one. They'd be all born in the springtime, and yeah. they'd be they'd be fattened. They'd be well, they'd be suckling during the summer, and they'd be yeah. eating, they'd be on good grass and all that. And when would when would they go for for slaughter? I suppose they'd, they'd probably be bought up now and, and, and put into sheds, you see. And they'd, wintered? Would they yeah, be wintered? They would, and they'd probably go, go maybe next next year, sometime but in the spring. Would they be slaughtering heifers? Would they not be going into the... They, well, they'd go into feedlots, yeah. yeah. But they would, they would, they would, no, the, beef, the beef heifers the would, beef be, would be slaughtered, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they would, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... Okay, we'll, we'll move on that? because we're really stuck for time. Uh, I'm looking at the... Uh, on page, what is it, page uh, 15 of the Clare Champion, and we referred to it last week, the Tulla book, the Tulla Reaching Out book uh, is there again and uh, justifiably gets great publicity. Um, and it's something that the Tuller Reaching Out group do every year, so, you know, well done to them. And uh, what's the headline there, Pat? Tuller uh, book reaches out to local and exile alike. Yes. Uh, Fiona McGarry, anticipation is building in East Clare at the fifth journal when Tuller reaching out hits the shelves. Reflections from home and abroad 2020-2021 combines a local family history as well as some beautiful images of Tuller in the late 1950s. Jane Handelman, 
Jane Holland Ryan and her small but dedicated team, which includes sister Ellen Kellner and, and Kathleen Maloney, have been busy writing, compa- compiling, proofing, and chasing up pictures to illustrate the publication. Hmm. Now, they're getting a chance to enjoy the fruits of their hard work. Very good, and they they've done great work over yeah, the years. Yeah, and the photographs there in the in the up in the top of the hill and taller in the in in the in the church there on the on the graveyard mm. in the graveyard. Very good. And listen, on the same page down further, David, I see you're looking there at Claire, uh, a planning issue uh, with a Tungrani-based group, a Christian group in Tungrani. That's right, Jim. Uh, Fiona McGarry has the story here on page 15, as you say. Claire planners question Christian communities' housing proposal, a bid to create housing for older members of a religious community in Tumgraney has hit a hitch, with planners seeking further details on a number of aspects of the project. At the end of June, the Christian community lodged an application to update their existing facilities at Drewsborough and to create 12 new accommodation units. And so uh, the planners are querying whether um, this falls under proper um, planning law and whether they will have to provide uh, social and affordable housing, which is uh, one of the government stipulations at the moment. Um, and there's also questioning about um, the, the scope. I mean, these, are, these will be uh, two-storey uh, units. Um, one of the objectors called it a block of flats, uh, but uh, that's that's. Uh, so there are objections in, and there are comments in. The Christian community, curiously, they've been there for some time, um, but it's they they are an international group, um, according to the paper at the very end. What's Christ- the background to it? Yeah, it's a religious revival movement after the First World War. So yeah. the, lo- the First World War was devastating for so many people and for Europe. And, and I think it came out of this as a sense of Christian religious renewal. Um, and I think they came to Tumgraney in the 80s or 90s. 90s, um, 90s mm. was it? And uh, so the, house, the existing facility is where uh, the priest, as I understand it, lives. Um, and the attempt here is to bring the community, because they're older members presumably, um, bring them closer to the church uh, there. So It was the medical centre at one time in, in between Scarif and Tumgraney. Yeah. Yeah. Just there, Jim, on, on these clear pages, well, you have Crackler Heritage's new home. Um, Dan Denner has a piece there on these clear pages. Up to 150 places and items of interest in Crackler have been provided on a new online heritage hub which has attracted huge local interest as well as international and attention from exiles. Most famous are the Cratlow Woods and the Cratlow Oak Trees. The area has a wealth of built of built and natural heritage which is dispersed throughout the townlands of Cratlow and includes wells, churches, graveyards, state houses, historic markings and plaques as well as full of folklore and fish oak tales. So what they've done is they have um, they have gathered all these um, and around to all those places and took photographs and got the, the heritage of them and they're putting it up on a, on a, on a quite close site. Yes. And uh, it's attracting an awful lot of attention. Very good. It's a, it's a fine article if anyone wants to read it and there's a, a lovely photograph there of Alan Carroll, Carroll who is the teacher in, 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 um, in Cratlow National School and uh, Ashling Finn who is um, of the Cratlow Heritage Group and there. Uh, it's, uh, anyone wants to clock into this www.cratlow.ie and it's on the East Clare page page 15 of the Clare Champion okay we move on to um, one or two other things uh, John you mentioned a while ago 
I don't know where you might have seen it in one of the papers there, that uh, next week is Dementia Week. Oh, yes. And the heading uh, by Emma O'Brien is the heading of the article is Get Smart, Get Plugged Into Dementia. Now, it's uh, obviously an increasing problem in society. And we're aware of friends who are beginning to show indications of memory loss. Now, memory loss is not necessarily dementia, and I'm not suggesting it is, but people who have in their family any member who is beginning, perhaps, to uh, cause worry. Mm -hmm. What would, like, just on that point, John, um, the difference between normal memory loss, which I, I, I sometimes can't remember where I... Left, uh, left various things, yeah. and mm. then dementia. How how would you recognise it? Well, the as, as as a layman, I would say I couldn't be sure. Mm. Okay, and that's the situation I think facing most people mm. in their family uh, setting. But what this week is doing is highlighting what you can avail of in the county of Clare, and Emer, um, her article. Dementia understand together, and you know, uh, St Joseph's Hospital. We all, all of us, are on the table know where that is in Ennis. The telephone number is in the article. Where you can speak to an expert occupational therapist, visit it, understand together. Do you know? Okay, or you can, of course, contact the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. But it might be a lot easier for a person to take up the phone and ring St. Joseph and say, could I bring my my father or my husband or my wife in? Uh, and the phone number again is 065-686-3839. 065-686-3839. And that's a contact that increasingly will be welcome for so many people. Okay. okay, very good. Okay, John, thank you for that. Um, I'm just looking here on page 17 of the Clare Echo. Porrick McMahon has uh, a story about screens to block flooding could create bigger issues. And this is, it, it refers to the Tuller Road and refers to the railway bridge, which we drive under any time we go to Ennis on the Tuller Road. Mm. I never knew until tonight that uh, it's called Ahavadi, uh, that area, Ahavadi Bridge. On the on the Tuller Road as you as you come out of Ennis, but um, I, I was wondering what the screens were, unless perhaps there's some kind of screening to stop material going down into culverts and drains. I think uh, you're on a winner there. I'd say yeah. that is what it is. Um, I, I find often a lot of these problems could be preventable if the culverts and the drains were, were, kept, kept were regularly kept clean. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, in every place in the country, yeah. you, you just happen, I think we like looking into holes, uh, you look into the drain, yeah, it's, full. it's full, it's blocked. Yeah. A lovely illustration of that, David, is the front wall of the college, the, especially Scarif, the Adult yeah. Education Centre. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times uh, the, the maintenance uh, man painted that wall in the last six months all because the very thing that Jim is talking about and you're mm. talking about drains not kept Clean. free yeah. 
the gradients not properly mm-hmm. established. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's heartbreaking, you know, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Now, John, you had another story to do with transport as well. Oh, was that one? And that was to do with um, the Ennis bus station. Now, Mary, Mary fair play to Councillor Howard, um, she um, made a, a suggestion, uh, more than a suggestion, she was critical of Bus Aaron and Eirne Road Aaron, accusing them of neglecting the station in Ennis and leaving it to become sad, as she said, and lonely place. Now, her point is basic. You arrive into any station on a bus at 11 o'clock at night, or at 9 o'clock at night in wintertime, whatever else, or the train. There is nobody there to actually direct you. The lights are poor. And her argument is, this is a magnet for antisocial behavior. And then we're all given out about it. A railway station, a railway station should have a presence shouldn't it? Uh, uh, there should be a presence of uh, station manager in one of the size of Ennis. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Isn't that mm. right? No, I see. So we're, we're, we're asking people to think about what Mary Howard has said and uh, urge the, the local authorities to get active on that issue. Well, this is, uh, this is the same thing again, John. If, if, if this bus station was above somewhere outside Dublin and there was no manager, it, uh, he'd, be, he'd be appointed very fast. But when it's down the country, it makes no difference. Like, you know, in this, uh, it's, like, it's like appointing the, oh the, the chairman below on chairman. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get a Dubliner in here just to balance, give balance the views. Well, we, we, but sure, there are so many dart stations unattended in Dublin, but and they face the same problem, don't they? Uh, socially, it's not. I don't think the problem is with the local authorities. It's it's the two companies you mentioned, John. But they can put the pressure on the local authorities. No, if the it's, it's not the county council. You mean the county council can put pressure on yes, them? Yes, ah, yeah. of course. They could. I, I, yeah, I'd say if, if it's more, if people put pressure on the companies, they might actually listen. I doubt they'd listen to the local ah, authorities no, yeah, very much. The, the press won't pick up comments made by Tom, Dick and Harry, but yeah. if the chairman of the county council talks about it, or if the, our local TVs... Do you think? I do, I do. Yeah. But when the, when, the train, when the train was running from, from Limerick to Ennis to up to, to Galway, they, they took ages upon ages to, to, to go online. And when they went online, they, 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 they had, been, had increased by 100%. Yeah. Mm. So this is just the usual kind of stuff that is down, down the country. But it's probably a cost-saving exercise. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. To stop, yeah. Uh, they yeah. don't have to pay someone. They Somebody can yeah. do yeah. Well, that's, mm. that's it, that's it. Yeah. Okay, we're and, almost... And maybe we'll make a station built... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're almost out of time, folks. Two things I want to refer to. One is Sorica Costello, and it would be remiss of us not to uh, congratulate Sorica Costello. Uh, it's, it's on... Uh, it's, on it's on page two of the living section on the champion engine. Yes. And it's also on the... Page 12, page 12 of the, the Clare Echo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Sorica, whose whose mother is well known in musical yeah, fields, yeah, Mary yeah, McNamara, yeah. Uh, and an yeah. she she was a, is to be awarded Young Musician of the Year at the Gradham Keol Awards, yeah, which yeah. is a very very prestigious award, title. Yeah. And the piece um, to to mention the sculptor in question is John Call. Mm. This is for the puka. Uh, no. No, no, no this is for what, what, the, the yeah, what you're talking about here. Yes. What yeah, you're well, talking about she, there. She, yeah, and John Call would be better known as the, the sculptor 
of Phil Lynott. Remember the? Yes. They were oh, damaged yes. in, in a number. Weren't they damaged hmm. a few times? Yeah, in off Dublin? Grafton Street. Yes. There's, okay. there's a sculpture there. John Call. <coughs> yeah. It's worth yeah. noting uh, she is recently Sorka. Now we're talking about Costello. Lovely photograph by Morris Gunning. I know Morris. Um, she recently celebrated her graduation from UL and now has an MA in music therapy, which is which is about working with um, ill people and people in hospitals as part of their re recuperation and a part of their medical rehabilitation, yeah, I suppose. That girl, she, yeah. often, she often played in the Black Sticks with her, her Did men, she? Her men and her, and her, her dad. They, 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 were great, um, yeah. they were great supporters of the Black Sticks when we were Jim, uh, we are, in, in are business. Uh, yeah. yeah, very good. Uh, uh, David, we owe a huge debt of gratitude. Those who are interested in music, traditional or otherwise, okay, a huge debt to Mihal, Mihal Suleiman, yeah. and the University of Limerick. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to next year when, as part of the 50th anniversary celebrations, the university will be celebrating Mihal and his music. Mm. Finally, can I say, and we're really out of time. Player of the match award on pay. Page 20, uh, 34, again in the Clare Echo, is uh, Cloda O'Holloran. Cloda is from Pat's Neck of the Woods. Yes. And uh, Cloda was player of the game when Munster ladies beat Connacht ladies 31-7 uh, last weekend. Um, I think she plays in the second row. So uh, absolutely fantastic performance and, and honour for... Kilkishan's Clodagh Holler. There must be yeah, something okay. about the air, Jim, over there in, in, in the Mills, Kilkishan. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, doesn't Alice work out, Jim? Uh, John, mm. we, we have been beaten three times in the championship. <laughs> 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 yeah, Clodagh, she, she, she plays Camogie as well. She's an all-rounder. And uh, the family were in the Fisher's family there and, and television there a couple of years ago as well. So they're, they're all-around sports people, so... Just, uh, we wish her the best of the rest of our campaign. Okay. Listen, we're nearly there. Just, um, just, just fetal uh, folk club as well, Jim. Yes. Um, 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 a new folk club has been established to broadcast or, uh, by broadcaster Ruth Smith and Paula Carroll starting next Wednesday night at Peppers. So um, anyone that's interested in going along to, to that and to sound going to be on every Wednesday night in, in Peppers. Okay. To everybody, to all our listeners, many thanks for listening to local media this week. Uh, my thanks to John S. John S., thank you very much. You're welcome. Pat O'Brien. Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming. Thanks, Jim. And uh, my name is Jim Collins, and we'll be back here again with the help of God next Sunday at 2 o'clock. Now, the, we'll finish out, if we have time, on a piece <laughs> of music. Um, Pat O'Brien, our resident DJ, is ready to, to shoot over there. Yeah, Michael Blue, he's spot to six on Tours the Last. I say, John, John might have uh, often, often um, mentioned this to uh, Lady late night. Uh, save the last dance for me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Very good. And on that note, we'll sign off with Michael Bublé, save the last dance for me. Goodbye and God bless. Dance with the guy who gives you the eye, let him hold you tight. And you can smile, every smile for the man who held your hand beneath the pale moonlight. But don't forget who's taking you home 
And in whose arms you're gonna be So darling, save the last dance for me